Football Podcast. What up, what up, fantasy people? This is the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Travis Seal. As always, I am joined by my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin. Ty, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. How about them Chiefs? How about them? Was a good game. Really, really good game. That's kind of what I was hoping for out of it, at least. I don't really have a rooting interest there, but uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, all the talk about the running game being so important to playoff teams, I thought it was two undrafted free agent running backs who did the most damage in that game. And I thought Raheem Mostert kind of cemented his status in that 49ers backfield. And Damian Williams, he should have been the MVP. I think so too, yeah. It's, uh, it was an interesting conversation about that. Um, I think they kind of discounted that last touchdown that he had there, but uh, he definitely made a case for it. So as we know, best balls are fired up now, and Raheem Mostert must be fired up, you know, uh, at least making it to the Super Bowl, showing out at the Super Bowl. He's going in the second half of sixth rounds right now in early best balls. And he's gone as early as the third round, as late as the 10th round. Where are you looking at taking Raheem Mostert in PPR leagues next year? I like right around the 6th. I think I could see him probably creeping up into the 5th, depending on what happens in that running back room. But I would like to take him in around the 6th if I know that he's going to be one of the one-two punch in San Francisco. Definitely seems like he's going to start moving up boards. And I'd like him in the 6th, but I don't think we'll be able to get him there when all's said and done in 2020 drafts. But... You know, it's interesting. He's kind of shaping up like the next, uh, like I've said, like the next Alex Collins, the next Damian Williams. So Damian Williams is going four picks behind Raheem Mostert in early best ball ADP. He's being drafted as running back three, and his deviation is a much smaller margin. He's gone as early as the fourth round, as late as the eighth round. Where do you want Damian Williams? Mm, I would need to see a little bit more shakeout in that backfield before committing to a sixth round pick. There's a lot of talk about them adding, but he's definitely made a push for them not to add to that position. And we saw them show a little bit of trust in Darwin Thompson down the stretch there as well. So um, while I could see them not bringing somebody in, I want to see that before I'll commit a sixth round pick to him. Um, But if it shakes out that way, I definitely could see him returning value on that and potentially not being able to get him in that sixth round. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement. Free agency in the draft will definitely uh, determine his his value in 2020 drafts. So as always, Trav, I got us way off topic there. What is our topic of discussion tonight? What are you thinking? Uh, We got a good one. We got a good one. Last episode, uh, we talked about the Carolina Panthers. On this one, we're going to get into the Chicago Bears. Um, So we're going to give the listeners uh, who, what, where, when, and why on Chi-Town. And then we're going to keep going with those rookie teasers. We've got the top five rookie wide receivers. So that's our top five rankings at this point in the offseason. So we're going to give our top five rankings. We're going to talk about a couple other guys that you need to look out for in the draft class. So uh, pretty excited for this epi, buddy. Yeah, man, it's just a really great draft class and abundance of young guys, big guys, yards after the catch guys, tackle breakers, red zone dominators, producers. Just And there's lots with a few of those traits combined. And there's a select few that check almost every one of those boxes above. And all the other boxes. Boxes galore. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a sick class, man. I can't wait to see some of these landing spots. But I think before we know the landing spots, let's lay out these top five rookie rankings as of this point. Who's your number one, Ty? I got CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma, 6'2", 191 pounds. I really like CeeDee Lamb. He's just such a home run prospect, in my opinion. And man, if Jalen Hurts is as bad as people think he is, how could you not have CeeDee Lamb as your number one wide receiver? 
Uh, by the way, I do not think Jalen Hurts is that bad. I think he's a player <laughs> who will disappoint throughout the draft process, but you know he's he's not a guy who's going to jump off at practice in practice settings. Uh, but yeah, back to back one thousand yard seasons for CD Lamb and ten touchdowns in both those seasons. Great dominator, broke out young. And he's set to be just 21 years old in his rookie season in the NFL, and he probably goes top 10 in the NFL draft. I just think he's super efficient. He scores, racks up the yards by himself. He was third in this mm-hmm. class in yards after the catch per reception. What, uh, where do you, do you have CeeDee Lamb as your number one, number two, or number three? <laughs> I got him as my number one. Nice. Got him as my number one. I, I like that size, like you mentioned. Uh, I like he's got that 19-year-old breakout age. We like that. Under 20 is, is kind of something you look for. Um, you mentioned the, the dominator. He had over 30% of his team's receiving yards and over 30% of the team's receiving touchdowns in 2019. And then 24 of his 62 catches went for more than 20 yards. So he's got some big playability. He showed really well in the red zone. Five of his eight red zone catches this past year went for touchdowns. So, um, yeah, like we said before, checks all the, all those boxes for me. And I'm really excited to see where he goes. Is uh, is Oakland or Denver a better landing spot for him? Who who out of those two teams do you like for CeeDee Lamb? Hmm, I like Oakland because there is less competition for him. And the jury's still a little bit out on Drew Locke, obviously. We need to see a lot more from him and whether whether he could uphold two options with Cortland Sutton and C.D. Lamb and Noah Fant, for that matter. So I think I'd go Oakland on that one just because we saw some flashes out of Tyrell Williams last year with the, with the Raiders. Obviously not big flashes, but he had some really good red zone work. Um, and I think if C.D. went there, he would be the unquestioned leader of the pass catchers. Agreed. All right. So you said CeeDee Lamb is yo number one as well. Who's your number two? My number two is Jerry Judy. JJ. Yeah, a lot, lot of hype around him, obviously, for the past two seasons, actually. Um, he runs great routes. He's really deceptive in and out of his breaks. Uh, he's got really good hands, and he's really good after the catch as well. He's really evasive and crafty with his moves, um, and I really like that. He plays a lot of slot as well, so I think he can play kind of all over the field, and that translates nicely to um, the 2019 NFL with guys moving around all over the place. And then the last piece I'll say on that is that I know his draft capital is going to be high, so that should dictate his volume as well. Um, so I don't know the landing spot, but I'm pretty confident that he will be, you know, probably a top 20 pick. So, um, yeah, I like it at all. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. <laughs> and yeah. you mentioned you mentioned the draft capital he's going to get. I'll say, though, Jerry Judy is my number three wide receiver in this class. And if the NFL values him extremely high, say a team in the top 10 takes him, which, you know, maybe only Arizona, that's the only team I could imagine doing that. Uh, But that's the only way, I don't know, he dominated in the red zone compared to Henry Ruggs. You know, he's he's better than Henry Ruggs, his 27% market share proves it. And mm-hmm. if there was any doubt, I mean, Jerry Judy put up put that to bed in that Alabama Bowl game. Uh, he went out, had over 200 yards against Michigan. That was just such a great game. And it, the red zone thing with Jerry Judy, it really weirds me out, though. He has unbelievable catch rate in the red zone, but really mediocre touchdown rate when you compare it to some of these other wide receivers in this class. And mm-hmm. he actually had fewer receiving yards and touchdowns in 2019, despite Judy having 12 more catches than he did in 2018. And his yards per target fell pretty significantly. And, you know, I know there's some quarterback play thrown in there, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just I worry that people might they might portray him as like a red zone god. But I think, you know, and he was a red zone volume god. He had 18 red zone targets this year, 14 red zone catches. It was pretty out of control, but he did just have five touchdowns in the red zone, which is still impressive. But T Higgins efficiency in the red zone is far more exciting, especially factoring in size. 
And, you know, I, I just have a little bit of concern with Jerry Judy, but, you know, I think he has a little less tools in the box than a CeeDee Lamb. And same with T. Higgins, honestly, whose ceiling is huge. And that's totally. just kind of my – he's definitely my wide receiver three in this class, and I do like his skill set. I'm not worried about his size at all. I could care less that he never broke out in inverted commas at Alabama, and that's <laughs> thanks to resources like the Breakout Finder who have metrics like teammate score and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Jerry Judy – for fantasy right now, assuming he goes out and runs a four four or better, Trav, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he will? Mm, I think it's gonna be pretty close. I think it's gonna be pretty close. I just have a hard time getting him much higher than my wide receiver three in this class because I'm already expecting him to run like better than a four four. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. So you kind of spoiled it there with your number three ranking. Why don't you hook up your number two? Yeah, it is T Higgins. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the, the big guy in this wide receiver class. For All, sure. Right off the top, man. I just I hope he blazes at the at the combine. And another guy who had a really good leap from 2018 to 2019. Uh, he was a five star recruit. We know Dabo Sweeney has a history of recruiting wide receivers who have gone on to have NFL success. And if you want to know why I love T. Higgins, it's because he's totally unstoppable. He's a red zone beast. He's just the best wide receiver in the red zone in this class. Biggest touchdown upside among all these wide receivers. In an era where wide receivers with touchdown upside are becoming few and far between, in my opinion. And in 2019, it, you know, only eight of his 77 targets came in the red zone. But T. Higgins caught seven of those eight targets, and he scored six touchdowns on those seven grabs in the red zone. And the other one I jacked T. Higgins has against the wide receiver class is he can do it in every way. He was a deep threat contested catch machine. He got 15 of 23 deep targets this year. That's a 65% catch rate. He had 565 receiving yards, about 50% of his production on deep targets this year. And when people get near him, he also showed he's hard to bring down because he's huge and he's fast. And he broke 12 tackles after the catch this year. Like, I don't know. T. Higgins is probably my wide receiver one if he burns at the combine. P.S. D.K. Metcalf says don't participate in any agility drills, T. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be smart for him to not uh, not do those. Yeah, but uh, I, I think he probably will. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sorry I ran so long in there. Give me, give me some of your thoughts on T. Higgins. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that you said, you know, you mentioned the contested catches. He, I like that he snatches the ball up with his hands in those jump ball situations. He uses mm-hmm. that height. He high points it really, really well. Uh, his acceleration is really nice once he gets off his his release. Um, so, so I like that for for guy for a guy that's so big with such long legs. It's just it's crazy that he's so fast. Um, and you mentioned the red zone stuff. I mean, in the past two seasons, he has thirteen catches in the red zone, and ten of those have been for touchdowns. So uh, that's that's just a crazy, crazy efficiency in the red zone. So um, yeah, I, I like T. Higgins a lot. Spoiler, T. Higgins is actually my number three. So um, we can kind of move past that. But uh, I, I'm totally with you. If he blazes, I think not only could he shoot up my fantasy board, I think he could shoot up the NFL draft board as well. So so keep an eye on T. Higgins' uh, testing numbers for sure. Yeah, this wide receiver class is just really top-heavy so far. So our top three wide receivers is kind of a tier. Would you agree there? I think so, yeah. I think it's pretty clear for me. So who is your top three there? Do you want to just run it down? Yeah, so C.D. Lamb at number one, Jerry Judy at two, and T. Higgins at number three. Cool. So I have C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy. And I think they are a clear tier, but I actually think, you know, T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb are kind of an even clearer tier for me. I really think they're almost can't-miss prospects. Nice. And, you know, nice. Jerry Judy probably too. So my number four, I'm staying chalk here, Trav. I'm going Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. And I came into this process a little bit lower on Henry Ruggs. I wanted to hate him. I'll put it that way. I don't know why. <laughs> I just didn't want to like him. I can't explain it. 
So for Henry Ruggs, obviously teammate of Jerry Judy's at Alabama there, and he, you know, he doesn't have great size either uh, when it comes to height and weight and all that, but he will burn at the combine, there's no doubt about that, and he will be drafted high, and he had under 100 career catches in college, you just don't see that very often, and his NFL draft stock will go a long way to his fantasy value for me, and landing spot, obviously. Trav, he's been linked to your birds, eh? Uh, mm-hmm. Which are one I of like the it. many, many good landing spots. Yeah, I'd really like that pick, yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. Feels good to mingle with these laid-back country folk, don't it, Hair? I like it a lot. And if Ruggs goes high, man, I'm telling you, we know Nick Saban has close relationships with a lot of NFL personnel, so that will be extremely telling, I think, like where Henry Ruggs gets drafted. And he's, he's a tough guy to peg down at the same time because... You know, he he put some stuff on paper that was really enticing. First and foremost, his ability after the catch, which I love. He was second in this wide receiver class in uh, yards after the catch per reception. Ruggs averaged nine yards after the catch per reception this year. And yeah, I just think his draft stock, once the combine comes, it's really going to start to creep up again. He's going to be most people's top five wide receivers, that's for sure. Which again, I'm operating under the assumption of him having, uh, you know, burner speed. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I like Rugs too. I do have Rugs as my uh, wide receiver seven in this class right now, but that is definitely subject to change based on landing spot. I think he fits into a really specific role and he can do that really well if he's put in that position. So like I said, I like him. I like him with the birds uh, because I know he would be put in that deep threat role. We saw like a minor glimpse of what Djax could do in it with that uh, one game this season. So if they could get a younger piece in there, I would love that as an Eagles fan. And I think he would fit into that role so like i said um this is a this is a really deep class and so i could easily see rugs moving moving up into my top five probably into the five slot if he lands in a good spot totally fingers crossed in the first round draft capital so who's your wide receiver for if it's not henry rugs yeah my wide receiver four is lavisca chenault um, okay one, one thing about that i always want to just say lavisca chenault because <laughs> I don't know, it kind of looks like it's got a little bit of a Frenchness to it, but yeah. um, nonetheless, a wee anytime, bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a yes, a yes, a yes bit. bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, any, <laughs> anytime I, uh, anytime I hear uh, announcers when I'm watching them, they say Chenault, so we'll go with that. But um, anyway, getting back on the rails, he's he's a big boy, man, six two, two twenty. That's that's good size. He's not, he's not a burner by any means, but I think, you know, he can profile as a good possession receiver and he has really good after the catch ability, uh, really elusive in space and he can make guys miss with his footwork and he's, he's big enough to break tackles. And as far as downfield passing, he wasn't used a ton at Colorado in the downfield passing game. Only 11 of his targets were over 20 yards this past season. We like to see a little bit more there. But as it happens, actually, all four of his touchdowns in 2019 came on those deep targets. So there is a bit of a skill set there. And I just I just think we haven't quite scratched the surface on it yet. So I'm really interested to see where he goes. Um, I kind of like him you know, maybe in the same mold as what we saw Debo Samuel used uh, for the 49ers uh, with like this, the uh, reverses and the screen passes and stuff like that. I think he could excel in a role like that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about LaVisca? I think uh, he's like a mix of Debo Samuel and Jarvis Landry. Like that's his ceiling. You know mm, what I mean? I like that. That's his yeah. ceiling. 
but yeah, for sure. You know, I think there's some red flags. I think top of the list is injuries. They'll be yeah. talked about a lot. He's had serious injury concerns, but what should be talked about more is how his production was insane in 2018 to start that season, but his injuries piling up all that his huge games and scores in the receiving game have just gone down the tube. I think he struggled to get into the end zone from in close in his college career. So I, I do have some concerns with them. I think he's definitely a ceiling play for NFL teams and fantasy owners. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you get beginning of 2018, LaVisca Chenault, like, man alive. And he'll be relied on for his yard after the catch. Like, he could be the next Debo, the next Jarvis Landry, but way stronger, harder to bring down, you know? So I do agree with you with the Debo part where he's just going to he's gonna be really hard to bring down. And mm-hmm. that's a scary proposition for PPR. But And you mentioned the deep targets, man. Chenault has just seen 34 targets over the last two years in college that have traveled more than 10 yards in the air. So mm-hmm. he really, you know, he really gets used close to the line of scrimmage and it's not even a knock necessarily it doesn't mean he can't go deep like you said he he clearly showed he could but I just I worry how he's used at the next level he's almost like a gadget player on steroids it's just they're always hard players to evaluate I think totally you know Chenault's performance at the combine is really gonna sway my opinion he he might be the guy I have the least uh conviction on how he's gonna perform at the combine you know what I mean he looks like he's fast and he has burst on tape but at the same time he was just a three-star recruit which you know it is what it is but you know if he runs better than a four or five I'll be moving him up in value even with the injury risk mm-hmm totally totally that injury risk cannot be denied I will say that but uh you know I like the player and uh please just get him with a good quarterback yeah, and again, you know, I don't weigh things like injury history too heavily at all, to be honest. You know, I don't think either of us do that heavily, but yeah. we need things like that to split hairs on these guys. Because once we get to this point in our evaluations, like you said, you know, Schnault versus Ruggs, these are hard, hard evaluations. Yeah, for sure. You got to find your tiebreakers. So uh, tie number five, hit me. Uh, Jalen Rieger. TCU Love product. It. Yeah, I really like him. He's, a, he's, you know, he's not even six feet tall. I think there's going to be a lot of knocks on him. When a prospect you love has awful quarterback play, it's just so heartbreaking. And this year it was really bad on PFF. So bad. Yeah, he on PFF he had the fourth highest off-target rate in the country this season. His dominator was okay, but yeah, 2018 is what we're chasing with Jalen Rieger. And, man, I'm chasing. <laughs> like <laughs> too, 2018 buddy. was just a, such a super season and, you know, over 100 targets. Like, I just I can't go on and on. It's the red zone stuff, the dominator. You know, I just – I also think – where he goes in the draft is going to be huge because I do actually see some team taking a shot at him in the second round and send him home, baby. He played at TCU. He's from Texas, either home, Houston or Dallas, Texans or Cowboys. That's where I want him to go. What, nice. Do you have any thoughts on Jalen Rieger? Yeah, man, I really like him. And, um, you, you do? know, the, for, for me, I have him at six right now. The five spot was really tough for me to rank. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of rethinking. I think Jalen Rieger could be up in my, fi- in my top five, but um, right now we'll go with six and, yeah, I like all the stuff you said, man. He's to me, he's like an alpha receiver in a small receiver's body. He can kind of do it all. One thing that I did like as well, 18-year-old breakout, so you always like that. Um mm-hmm. he knows how to handle a heavy workload in an offense. Um fast guy. He has some really good contested catchability for being as short as he is. Uh, he's great after the catch, give me all that. Um you know, dangerous on screens, reverses. If he does end up in Texas, let me tell you, I hope it's Houston and not Dallas, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think he's a really complete receiver, um, and a lot of people might not give him that, but I think he's he's got a lot of tools, man. Okay, Trav, so round us out, buddy. Who's your last guy here in our top five? 
Yeah, I'm going to mosey through this one here. My number five as of right now is Justin Jefferson. I'm not sure that a lot of people actually have him in, his, in their top five, but I really liked what I saw when I was watching him. Um, he had a wicked year at LSU. <laughs> he had the second most touchdowns in the country this year, I think. Obviously, a lot of that is uh, attributed to Joe Burrow's big season, but uh, he still had a great season. He's, he's really good at tracking the ball. Uh, he can high point the ball in contested situations and get physical with corners. Um, and then, you know, we, like I said, that production in 2019 was fantastic a little bit late on the breakout I will admit that um, and that one big season he had but I think he can do it in the NFL if he goes to a good spot yeah I I'm looking how do I have how do I have him at wide receiver eight in my rankings imagine getting some of these guys we're mentioning in the second round of our rookie drafts I am just so freaking pumped yeah man man, we're gonna and it's gonna be sweet and Justin Jefferson he's another very young prospect he'll be 21 in his rookie season in the NFL and you said unbelievable 2019 season so his counting stats will look great and you know it is a historic offense we'll have to keep that in mind and you know Joe Brady I think he'd make a good fit in Carolina go back let Joe Brady use him yeah I'd love that I like that and I just want to you know he could be used everywhere he could be used down the field and he he looked pretty sensational in the red zone he had 16 catches 19 targets 12 touchdowns in the red zone this year like that's that's ridiculous that's more than most of these guys we've talked about had in their whole college careers combined for sure so Trav uh give me give me a dark horse here Denzel Mims yeah, Mims is a big moth. He's 6'3", 215 pounds. He's got really strong hands. Uh, definitely not a speed guy. Like when you see him, when you watch him, he looks like a big dude on the field. He led Matt Rule's Baylor offense this past season with a 19.2% share of the team's scrimmage yards. And we like Matt Rule's offense. Um, he actually had over 28% of the team's receiving yards as a whole. So he can handle a lot of targets. So um, yeah, I'm Denzel Mims, obviously, he's not going to be one of my top five. Uh, but I think he could produce if he's put in the right situation. Uh, you mentioned Justin Jefferson going to Carolina. I could see Denzel Mims potentially being drafted in Carolina to meet back up with Matt Rule because um, he's a lot different he's a lot different than dj Moore and curtis samuel so yeah. you never really know yeah makes a lot more sense <laughs> like he he kind of offers them exactly what they kind of need at that wide receiver position or in the pass catching group now that greg olson's gone but yeah a big red zone target for sure mm-hmm. totally how about you give me your dark horse ty okay i'm gonna go with a minnesota boy who played for Minnesota, 6'2", 205, Tyler Johnson. And I know a lot of people do have Tyler Johnson in their top five. I was actually really surprised to see that when I saw a lot of rankings come out in the last uh, month or so here. Ah, I mean, maybe he should shouldn't have gone back to school. I mean, that's going to be what you hear a lot when it comes to Tyler Johnson. He shouldn't have gone back to school. And yeah, he has a broad spectrum of where he goes in the NFL draft. I think that's definitely... One of these things, same with Mims, you know, all these guys we're going to talk about, they have a wide range of where they could go. He could go later than people are thinking. My rankings feels way too high kind of on Tyler Johnson because of his draft capital, but it is just production and size and college dominance, you know, really back-to-back seasons with 100 targets, over 70 catches. He was over 1,100 receiving yards and 10-plus touchdowns in both those years, and there is one big reason why I'm still holding out hope. And why I think we we all should whenever and wherever he lands in the NFL, and it is red zone stylies. I think he carves out a red zone role immediately uh, wherever he goes. And Tyler Johnson had 25 red zone targets this year, 15 red zone catches, 7 touchdowns. In 2018 on 23 red zone targets, he had 13 catches that went for 9 touchdowns. But yeah, Tyler Johnson, a bit of an older prospect, but you know, 
because of what I think will be a fall in the draft and because he is an older prospect, he's going to fall in rookie drafts, but we can expect him to produce early in his NFL career because, you know, he is an older prospect and he could excel in a niche role at the red zone. And that that's just a path for him to get playing time, I think. So do you like Tyler Johnson or are you way off Tyler Johnson? Because it seems like you have to be either or. No, I like it, man. I like it for sure. He's definitely in my top 10 of this class, potentially my top eight. You know, I I like that he handled so much work at Minnesota. He had a huge share of everything there. So I like that a lot. The profile is great, like you said, and I'm really interested to see where he goes for show. Cool. So maybe uh, do you want to rattle off a few other names here? Because I don't want to leave a few of these guys out here. Totally. There's too many. We can't uh, we can't leave everybody hanging. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll rattle off a few. And I think you probably got a few, too. So just a couple that come to mind. Van Jefferson from Florida. He had a good senior bowl. KJ Hill from Ohio State. Um, he had a good senior bowl week as well. That's funny. There was a lot of a lot of really good, uh, really good senior bowl practices and a lot of guys who could be getting a little bit of hype off that. Uh, you got KJ Hamler out of Penn State. Antonio Gandy Golden big dude lots of production I like him a lot out of Liberty and Isaiah Hodgins is the last one that I'm that I'm thinking here he soaked up a lot of work at uh, Oklahoma State and uh, his draft spot's going to be interesting too because he, he did get a lot of work nice I like that list the guy really jumped off there is AGG Antonio Gandy Golden for mm-hmm. sure you know a really interesting wide receiver eh? you could sit down live the BC dream and just zone out on how unreal his highlight film is when people get into highlight mode, which is the worst mode for evaluating a prospect, yeah. obviously. <laughs> but man, AGG will get more and more love as this offseason goes once people start to see what he's done. He's a small school wide receiver, so his stats can be overplayed or whatever. But when we evaluate small school guys, wide receivers especially, we just need them to blow up the senior bowl. And like you said, man, AGG did exactly that. Yeah, I worry he might be a little streaky. It's kind of funny when you look at some of his college stats. But yeah, I really, really like Antonio Gandy-Golden. I really like that call. I dig it. Who you got, man? So, you know, some of the guys I'm interested, Devin Duvernay, I think is an interesting discussion because he's fallen from the senior bowl. Well, like a dozen other guys kind of had really good senior bowls, but once he tests out at the combine, I think he'll go right back to where he was before. So I just think it's a funny uh, point too for the pockets that we see during this draft process and, you know, the effects it can have in Devi leagues and dynasty leagues. So another guy like that is Brian Edwards, who just entirely sat out of the senior bowl because he's so good. I really like Brian Edwards. Juwan mm-hmm. Jennings, another guy yards after the catch machine who won't test well at the combine and could be a really quiet guy during the process. But Juwan Jennings, remember that name. I really like him. Uh, another older prospect, Michael Pittman. I like him as well. And Brandon Ayuk. I really, really like Brandon Ayuk. He's 6'1", 206. Uh, he's a California boy. So not sure if this is a bold take, Trav, but Ayuk from Arizona State is a better prospect than Inkeel Harry was coming out of Arizona State last year. And the way I'll show my affection for him has to do with his yards after the catch. Brennan Ayuk led the wide receiver class here in 2019 in yards after the catch per reception. He averaged almost 11 yards after the catch every time he got the ball. That's just insane. I was just marvel- numbers. <laughs> yeah, I was just marveling at Henry Ruggson at nine. And we just talked about Chanel. We will talk about guys who play in the slot in the future. You know, we love slot guys because they get the yards after the catch. But you'd expect most players who excel in yards after the catch to be exactly that, utilized mostly out of the slot. Arizona State played Brandon Ayuk on the outside over 80% of the time this year. So I really, he's, he's just got a lot of potential. He can be kind of like the next Juju Smith-Schuster, in my opinion. I like it, man. We kind of wanted to lay those guys out because this position is really, really deep this year. We wanted to get, you know, we wanted to get the listeners kind of thinking about these names and thinking about how they're going to attack their drafts. 
And another reason why we wanted to is because we're going to be doing some deep dive episodes within the next month or so on these rookies. And we figured it would just be kind of a good start to, to get these guys out there. And then we're going to lay it out this episode and we're going to play it out on another one. Look, man, I'll lay it out for y'all to play it out. Yeah, and so, like I said, we're going to cover these guys from top to bottom in an episode within the next month or so, but uh, we're really excited that we've hooked up with a sponsor for the pod, Expand the Box Score. This is a really great resource for anybody who wants to dig into stats and numbers on players to get ready for their leagues. I mean, if you hadn't, haven't heard of it before, Expand the Box Score is just an essential database for this stuff. You can get stats for the NFL, college football, they've got the NBA, Major League Baseball, they've got college basketball, they even have Minor League Baseball on there. Um, so, I mean, I've been loving for, for the NFL stuff, the player profiles, you can find week-to-week fantasy outputs, red zone performances, target distributions, and all that kind of stuff. And then when you get into the college football database, that is the money ticket, that one. You got touches by yardage to find out guys who are producing explosive plays, touches by field position. You can see who's getting the red zone work. And then they have a dominator leaderboard so you can see all of the receivers, say, in college football and find out who had the best dominator score, which is a share of the team's receiving yards and touchdowns. So uh, you can see all of that stuff with expand the box score. It's uh, it's pretty killer, eh, Ty? Oh, I love it. And two tabs I always have open around this time of the year is the the college football database and then obviously the wide receiver uh, running back tight end profile page. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So if any of our listeners want to check that out, um, it's only 20 bucks a year for each database. So NFL would be 20, NCAA would be 20, or even better, if you want the NFL and NCAA football bundle, it's only 35 bucks per year for both of those, which to me is a small price to pay for getting such a nice leg up on your league mates. And if you go and use our promo code TrueNorth10, you can get 10% off that price. So make sure to go check that out because it's it's really going to give you an advantage on your league mates. And um, I think if you've listened to our podcast, you know that we're kind of stat heads. So uh, it's right up our alley and we love it. Yeah, and it's really strong ownership over there. The, you know, Andy Singleton, they run a mean ship over there and they, they employ some of the best analytics people in the business. So definitely have to check that out. Definitely have to use the promo code. Woo! Should we get into the meat and potatoes? Yep. Get your coat. Yeah, we're going to the Windy City. You might want to make sure um, it's actually a windbreaker as opposed to a coat. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Mary Poppins, you're not invited. (laughs) It's not safe. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Trav, so the Chicago Bears, if the odds were, if you put $100 down, you were going to win $10,000, and it was just even odds, who would you have bet to have been the Super Bowl representative from the NFC in 2019, the 49ers or the Bears? Uh, since neither is not an answer, I probably would have gone with the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. If you said the 49ers, you lie. Anyways, you yeah. lie. Or very happy to have listeners from San Francisco. Yeah, totally, man. This Bears offense, man, it was it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, man, it was just such a big letdown on offense this year. And you know, we saw Matt Nagy take heat all season, and kind of rightfully so. The offseason, we've, we've seen a vacuum come suck up all the assistant coaches. Everybody was let go besides Matt Nagy, really. There's a new offensive line coach, new quarterback coach, new offensive coordinator. But uh, same play caller, Matt Nagy. So we, we definitely have concerns about this offense. Yeah. Do you think, yeah. do you think we're... When we get into this conversation about the Bears, do you think we see a comeback, uh, like a bounce back coming in 2020? Um, yeah, not, not a fat one, uh, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but they were pretty bad this season. So, um, if Matt Nagy's still p- calling the plays, which it looks like he is, then I'm not expecting too, too much out of these guys. Yeah. I think even if there is a big bounce back, we should just heap all the praise on the assistant coaches because they got all the blame 
and it'd just be great. Just give all the assistant coaches the praise one year. Totally. totally. Anyways, yeah. The new faces are abundant. We should talk about a few of these guys. There's some juicy names, some some stale names too. Yeah. <laughs> the two big ones for fantasy, quarterback coach John D. Filippo comes in. Not too long ago, felt like he was kind of on pace uh, to be a head coach. And no pun intended because I think he might have been in talks for the Chicago job. He was, I believe, yeah. Uh, when Matt Nagy got it, yeah. And Bill Lazor comes in at offensive coordinator who was most recently fired by Cincinnati and before that fired by Miami. Uh, it's being portrayed as their second choice behind Pat Shermer, who went on to Denver. It's probably true, but, you know, I'm sure any offensive coordinator wants to call plays. I think that would be the determining factor, not your roster. Uh, so Bill Lazor, he's kind of been stomped on by the masses. I think it's a pretty good hire, Trav. Like, it's a decent hire. He's gotten some good seasons out of bad quarterbacks in the past, and he uses a lot of pre-snap motion, play action, and he's had success in the run game. What do you think of this new kind of new-look offensive uh, coaching staff? I like it. Um, it's funny. Both of those coaches actually have old Eagles ties. So I, I know the names <laughs> for sure. Um, if you remember even further back from the Miami days, Bill Lazor did have a bit of a hand in a couple of those Mike Vick seasons in uh, mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And then, you know, Flip had a good year as the quarterback's coach in Philly as well. So that's kind of where, where my knowledge of those guys stems from. And then obviously you see them progress in different roles. I think they're good hires. I think there is some past production. I really hope Matt Nagy lets them have some influence in the offense offense um you know get these guys hopefully somebody calls plays other than Matt Nagy at some point I could potentially see him giving that up but I'm I don't know at the same time I'm not so sure if Matt Nagy is a guy that would give that up you know um so I I like the hires I just I'm interested to see how much uh how much actual influence they have in morphing this offense because um we'll get into the pieces a little bit later but uh, there is a little bit to be desired there so, Trav, who would you rather see them bring in at quarterback? Would you rather see Andy Dalton reunited with Bill Lazor, maybe Nick Foles reunited with, with Bill Lazor? And was I think Flippo was there with Foles as well. Right? Yeah, he was. I think Foles is, is a really good fit with those guys now that it's you mentioned it. It's interesting because both those guys, yeah, both those guys have uh, history with them. Totally. Um, but I think, uh, I don't know, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles are a little bit six of one, half a dozen of the other for me. Um, so mm-hmm. neither are really that, that exciting. No. Um, and I think as weird as it is to say both of those two would kind of limit the offense maybe a little bit more than Trubisky because he doesn't have uh, they don't have that rushing upside that we've seen out of Trubisky and like I said we're going to get into those guys in a little yeah, bit but, I like it uh, that's what you call a tease Jeff. Yeah. that was good stuff <laughs> I think so let's let's talk about the offense because they went from over 40 touchdowns on offense to under 30 in 2019 they were far too pass heavy especially when we look at the results and just far too few run pass options way too little play action and they couldn't convert a fourth down if their life depended on it uh the team rushing was unacceptable given the weapons but but i guess we're literally not allowed to blame Nagy for that since he had no control of the run game uh, <laughs> apparently last year <laughs> but the running backs use in the passing game that Nagy does have control of was brutal the efficiency went down the tube compared to 2018 chicago quarterbacks had the second worst yards per attempt when targeting running backs the six were success rate the chicago running backs with montgomery and Tariq cohen probably should sit close to the league lead in in all those categories, in my opinion. So what was your overall feeling for the offense this year? Ugh, in a word, like, I don't know. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard. Like, they were not fun to watch. It's not an offense that I was targeting for fantasy whatsoever. Um, even preseason, before they started playing awful. Just obviously not so sure about uh, Trubisky. But, I mean, looking at the team offense as a whole, you mentioned uh, their success rate there. As a team, they had a 44% successful play rate on both run and pass plays this season. 
So if you look at the good teams, they were up near 50%, which for the Bears would have been about 56 more successful plays overall with that extra 6%. So that would make a difference. One thing that we did kind of like is that they ran 11 personnel, the sixth highest rate in the league. So that's decent, but they only had a successful play rate of 43% from that formation. So it wasn't working for them. Uh, you talked about a little bit about the play action there. Uh, Mitch Trubisky himself only ran play action on 16% of his passes. So that shows me a little bit of a lack of cre- creativity. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe in a word, um, uncreative, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> just... Uh, wasn't wasn't anything I was targeting and you know there is one player and we will again talk about them but um yeah yeah not an an exciting offense for fantasy okay before we get into that horrible guy let's (laughs) I just want to talk the run game a bit because we we had better hope that Bill Lazor has some effect on this run game like the Bears defense their bottom five quarterback but mobile quarterback all that lends to the Bears running game you know it should have been their strong suit no doubt about that instead they were just one of seven teams in 2019 to rush for less than 1500 yards as a team Chicago was also just one of seven teams who failed to hit 10 rushing touchdowns as a team only three teams failed to have either the 1500 rushing yards as a team or eight rushing touchdowns Jets of course my poor Steelers Uh. and the Bears uh, to hammer, yeah, to hammer on the efficiency, Trav, uh, they ranked bottom five in the NFL in yards per carry. Their 3.7 yards per carry was brutally worse than even the NFL average of 4.3. And the red zone touchdown rate was bad inside the 10-yard line. They had the second worst touchdown conversion percentage. So I don't know. I definitely have a lot of concerns about the run game. And But it's also, there, there's room for that to be the biggest room for improvement, you know, in 2019. Do you see a big, do you think the run game as a whole with Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery can come back to at least maybe form what we thought would be a really good, you know, top of the league running back room. Yeah, for sure. I I have a hard time seeing it bouncing back huge, but that being said, they were really, really bad as far as efficiency last year. So if they could even bump that up to league average, there will be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more production, obviously. Uh, I don't see it being, you know, one of the top running games in the league. They could surprise me, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to commit hard enough to that um, in order to be be that kind of team. Yeah, it's just that damn explosivity, you know. On Sharp <laughs> Football, they were tied uh, with the Jets for the least explosive team in NFL. Only 7% of their plays went for either 10 yards or more in the run game and, uh, you know, 15 yards through the, through the air. And they were tied dead last in both explosive run percentage and explosive pass percentage. You know, there's, there's a lot of expressions. For some reason, I can't come up with any of them off the top of my head right now. But, you know, some along the lines of there's there's a chicken feed one or a chicken scratch. You know, you can't make nothing out of something, you know, Trav? Do you uh, yeah, know what I'm trying to say? I have no clue, buddy, but we'll roll okay. with it. <laughs> so how – what I'm trying to say <laughs> – okay, so what I'm trying to say is the Chicago passing weapons, you know, Mitch Trubisky was really bad, but they, the, the weapons around him also made nothing out of nothing. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. So this sounds made up, Travis, but I swear this is true. Chicago wide receivers ranked dead last in yards after the catch per attempt and per reception this year. And Chicago running backs finished dead last in yards after contact per attempt. That's not good. Yeah, so wide receivers weren't doing anything after the catch and running backs weren't making anything happen by themselves. And, you know, football outsiders had the Bears with the second worst only behind Miami in second level rushing yards. And they were third to last in open field rushing yards. Yeah, like like we said, not very efficient, not uh, not something you you were very excited to have on your fantasy teams. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, Trav, before we dive into Mitch Trubisky here, I just want to talk tight ends so we don't have to hit any of them afterwards. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yep. 
Number one tight end saw a 10% target share in the red zone. That's a bit lower than the league average of 25%. (laughs) So I think it actually buoyed 70% uh, target share to the wide receivers, which was number one in the NFL in the red zone. But what I'm saying is there was a black hole at tight end this year in Chicago. And Trey Burton is having surgery again this offseason, or he had it already. I think he already had it. And Chicago targeted their tight ends just 12% of the time in 2019. They were bottom five in total targets to the tight end position with 69. Very, very nice. Nice. And that's what led to the running backs and wide receivers seeing so many targets. So it's, it's just I wanted to mention them because if there is an influx of tight ends coming into Chicago, maybe they draft one high, maybe they bring in a free agent, maybe we see a little bit of progression from Adam Shaheen, maybe we see Trey Burton miraculously recover, or J.P. Holtz or whatever that dude who was performing at the end of the year last year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see with, with the Bears' tight ends, but needless to say, they're going to be a, a bigger priority in the offense in 2020 than they were in 2019. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see the turnover there because uh, Trey Burton got that contract and he obviously has not lived up to it. Adam Shaheen had a little bit of hype coming out of the draft and he hasn't lived up to that. Um, And then you mentioned JP Holtz there. So uh, definitely an interesting group, uh, if not a productive group. So just keep an eye on that. And uh, now we don't have to talk about them at the end of the show. So let's get into these guys because it wasn't all the coaches, you know, like I tried to lay out almost everybody here is to blame this season in 2019 for Chicago season, except Allen Robinson, obviously. Mm-hmm. But most of the blame goes to Trubes, Mitch Trubisky, yeah. man, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Um, it's it was a bad season for him, man. Quarterback 26 on the season. If you look at his fantasy output, he only had four games over 20 points. He had eight games under 15 points. So not very good. He had six games with zero touchdowns. So he was kind of all over the map. He only had two 300-yard games. And he threw an interception in eight of the 15 games that he played. And he added five fumbles to that. So Troops had a pretty bad year. Yeah, I mean, Chicago was top 10. One of the top 10 pass-heaviest teams in football, almost no matter how you look at it. And may catch some people off guard, but they passed 61% of the time. And Chicago remained a top 10 pass-heaviest team in most situations, including the red zone. With all that opportunity, Mitch Trubisky was near the bottom of the league in every metric. And yeah, you said he has so many bad games. And Trubisky, like all he can do is hit short tor- short targets. Like that's literally all he can do. Like zero to nine yards down the field. But under 20% of his throws were accurate on PFF when it comes to 10 to 19 yards down the field. That was the worst accuracy among all quarterbacks in the NFL graded on PFF. He also had the second worst accuracy throwing in a tight coverage. Worst of all, 85% of the time on PFF, Mitch Trubisky was throwing to his first read or a design screen or something. And that's why coaches in Chicago are, you know, calling all these screens and all that stuff is because Trubisky really can't do anything else. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, man. On the flip side of that, he actually did have the 12th most deep passing attempts in the league. Uh, But like you said, he can't hit them. He only connected on 34% of those. So only six players in the NFL threw more interceptable passes than did Mitch Trubisky. So uh, he definitely struggles with inaccuracy. um, And, you know, it's just not a quarterback that uh, that you're really looking to rely on, hopefully in your fantasy leagues. Yeah, I mean, the yards per attempt was just it off a cliff and I mean what happened to his rushing I mean that used to be his floor he had just 48 carries this year that was 12th among quarterbacks just two rushing touchdowns career low in rushing yards actually he had half he had half as many rushing yards this year as mm-hmm. he did last year like it's just 12% of his rushing yards also came on one carry that's uh 
you know, everyone loves this game trap. If you take away that carry, he would add just 2.8 yards per carry. <laughs> yeah. As a quarterback, that's just ridiculous. So, like, <laughs> totally. I wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't so ridiculous for, sure. for a quarterback to have under three yards per carry. But this is what I'm going to... Mitch had just one game over seven carries in 2019, only one game over 30 rushing yards. His two rushing touchdowns came in his two highest carry games where he had seven carries and 10 carries. Yeah, dude, I actually looked into the rushing as well. And this year, just under 15% of his fantasy points came in the run game at 14.7%. Looking at last year, he had almost 23% with 22.8% of his fantasy points coming out of the run game. So that's a really big dip. Um, And I think, you know, he needs that rushing work to maintain relevance. He ran for, like you said, over 400 yards last year and under 200 yards this year. So just uh, a brutal dip for a quarterback who kind of needs that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Nay do about it. Just there's absolutely nay do about it. No do about it. The big problem is if if we're not getting the rushing, we need like big plays and things like that. But you know, you mentioned the deep attempts, but he really didn't have very many big plays. He was 27th among quarterbacks in 20 plus yard passing plays. He had just two of 40 plus yards, tied with Cam Newton, Devlin Hodges, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. He had fewer throws of 40 yards or more than Matt Moore, Case Keenum, Haskins. Brandon Allen, Eli Manning, David Blau, Joe Flacco. That shows how many quarterbacks get into game action in a given season. And, of course, how how bad Mitch Trubisky is. And it shows up in the fantasy points. Like, there's just no gap, no ceiling. He's either really bad or he's, you know, he's really good usually. But without the rushing, without the big plays, he, he had just one game above 24 fantasy points, just two games above 20 points this year in fantasy. And I know 24 fantasy points might sound like a high bar, but in 2018, he was over 24 fantasy points in 30% of his game. And he's really streaky too. Four of his five highest passing yard totals uh, came in a four-game stretch this year. It was pretty crazy. In 2018, three of his four games over 300 yards passing came back to back to back. So he's very streaky as well. For sure. That was actually uh, right down the stretch of the season as well. So uh, for me, if I'm in a dynasty league and uh, somebody kind of sees that or even a super flex league and there's anybody who still has any inkling of uh, want for Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to play off that uh, that down the stretch performance where you had those two, three touchdown games uh, as well as the 300 yard games uh, like you mentioned there. So, uh, yeah, just kind of a little note on if somebody wants to bite on that, you should uh, feed it to them. In Superflex best balls right now, he's going in the fourth to eighth round, so people are still believing, you know what I mean? And I don't get to say this very often, Trav, but he's a he's a quarterback three, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And just a quick thought on Superflex in general, you know my thoughts. Like in Superflex, I have my three quarterbacks on my roster long before, you know, the quarterback twenty is going off the board, which is right around where Mitch Trubisky's going right now. I think he's going later than that, but I'll have my three quarterbacks by then. It's similar to mm-hmm. running backs, you know. It, I want two in the top twenty, top fifteen, where the hit rates are really high, and you know, once you get past that range, the hit rates just fall off a cliff, and the fantasy points historically. So, yeah, good point, good point. Uh, one thing I want to mention there is uh, our buddy Rish is a big Bears fan, um, so you can follow him at ff underscore Rish. And uh, Rish, I just want to apologize for the uh, Trubisky bashing there. So, um, Ty, you ready to put the Bisky in the basket? Yeah, I just like to apologize to Rish too. For absolutely nothing. <laughs> I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. <laughs> uh.
Oh, very good. Very good. So if his, if his rushing does come back, though, he could have a good season relative to ADP. We should say that. But he's, yeah. he's never never going to be mistaken for a league winner. That's for no. sure. No. Yeah. That was uh, well wrapped up there. Um, so we want to get into these running backs. Sure. David Montgomery. Yeah, it was uh, it was an underwhelming season based on the hype that was surrounding him after the draft pick and coming into the year. Uh, he ran for 889 yards and six touchdowns on 242 carries, and he finished as the running back 24. He was actually one of only three players who had more than 240 carries and less than 1,000 yards. Those other two were Le'Veon Bell and Sony Michelle. So um, not uh, you know not very good company to be in as far as the production there. Um, and if you look at his fantasy output, he only crossed 15 PPR points in four games this season, and one of them was actually in week 17. So one of those four PPR games over 15 wasn't even usable. And then as far as weekly finishes, only five of his games did he finish inside the top 20 at running back one of those was also that week 17 game and only twice did he finish inside the top 10 there every other game that he had this season he was running back 28 or worse so he wasn't giving you anything steady it was super spotty and uh, if you kept him in your starting lineup for too long you suffered in a big way yeah i mean it, that that lays into what I want to say perfectly. I feel like I should lay out my bias on David Montgomery before I dive in because I'm not a huge <laughs> fan, and you know that. Like, yeah. Despite his size, I had concerns about him coming out, but even running between the tackles, even though he's a big boy. And you know, I could get into his inside carries maybe another time, but you can see that kind of stuff on Sports Info Solutions. Graham Barfield's Yards Created kind of laid that out during the draft process last year because that's, that's the thing. Montgomery breaks so many tackles. He's really hard to bring down. Only player to eclipse 100 missed tackles forced on PFF's uh, college grading system since it started in 2014, and he did it twice in 2017 and 2018, and just smashed forced missed tackles PFF metric. You know, he's number two in college football coming out. But I'll say again, you can break as many tackles. You can make it look as pretty as you want along the way, but it, it's all for naught if you're getting dragged down from behind constantly. And you know, my favorite attribute coming out for David Montgomery was his hands, and his landing spot just broke my heart, frankly, because he's entirely capped by Tariq Cohen, and pass catching at the running back position is just a must for me. So for David Montgomery, in my opinion, the argument for, for fantasy in 2020 is just volume, like volume and high leverage work. For sure, man, for sure. Um, I think he kind of showed that he's not going to produce the chunk plays. He Only 16 of his runs went for 10-plus yards. Um, and that was uh, 41st out of running backs with at least 100 carries on sharp football. So um, that was, you know, not something you want out of a running back who's getting 240 carries. You want a little bit more uh, carries for 10 plus. But you said it really well when you said volume and high leverage. Um, I've got here that his saving graces could be volume and red zone work. Nice. So yeah. the, the the 242 carries were top 15 in the league. So you do like that. That's that's a good volume. And then 35 red zone touches was top 20 in the NFL. All six of his touchdowns actually came from inside the 20 and five of them were inside the five. So when we look at the goal line work there inside the five yard line, he had the sixth most rushes in the league with 14. And that was 87 and a half percent of the team's goal line rushes. So uh, he is getting a large share and we know that they like him in that role. So that is a positive for him going into 2020. The only player who actually had a higher share of their, uh, their team's red zone carries Ty, Can you, uh, can you find that name? Oh, that'd be Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Very well put with a whopping eight attempts inside yeah. the five yard line. 
compared to David Montgomery at the 14. So, you know, like I said, those could be saving graces for David Montgomery, but that's kind of all to say that, yes, he has a floor. Um, it's just might not be one that warrants drafting him where he's going. And without that receiving work, his ceiling is probably more like Carlos Hyde than than like peak Melvin Gordon, which is what people are looking for, you know? Yeah, I think like there's all these stats that you look up in, in sharp football and everywhere. Like he, there's four running backs in the NFL who had over 200 carries, less than four yards per carry. What I find Edwards Hilaire about all these things is all these guys <laughs> that he falls in a bucket with, they're all like universally hated on. Like this one in particular is Lev Bell behind him, Todd Gurley, and Sony Michelle. Everybody hates all three of those guys, but everybody loves David Montgomery. It's just outstanding to me. And, you know, people ask, how does this happen? You know, all this play, it's inexplosive. It's is that a, that's definitely not a word it is now dude if we can make explosivity a word we're making in explosivity <laughs> a word i mean it, it, it's their hand in hand but yeah all running backs who went over 200 carries david montgomery had the second fewest 10 yard, uh runs of 10 10 or more yards second fewest runs of 15 or more yards you know lev bell's the vote there in 2019 so just assume he was the worst and montgomery had just three runs of 20 plus yards my boy tony pollard had more than him so you know there's just no ceiling there for david montgomery he, yeah. he was 62nd on sharp football when you just pull up explosive run percentage. If you want to filter to 150 plays, he's still like 25th. And the the other issue is that like he doesn't even have the yards after contact. Like even with 240 carries, he was 20th in yards after contact. Among 47 qualified running backs on pro football reference, he was tied for the second worst yards after contact per attempt. Tied with Sony Michelle and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, that's that kind of goes with what you mentioned earlier about... Uh, how he's breaking those tackles, but he isn't doing a whole lot after that. Right. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and I think, you know, that volume gives him the floor, but he's not somebody that I'm going after, especially, you know, in 2019, you were getting him as the running back 18 in the third round of your drafts. So I don't think you're going to have to go quite that high on him this year, but I could no. potentially see it. Like there's people who love him and people who think that he's going to, going to end up getting all that work, but I don't know. Well, man. Let's talk I'm not about sold. It. No, I'm not sold. Not me. Like, so he was a running back two in fantasy by the skin of his teeth in 2019. Is he a running back two for you and Rejaf for 2020 then? Mm, probably not. Probably not. No. He's, he's it, closer to running back 30. Yeah, right? I would yeah. say so. Like if, if anything, he probably squeaks into the back 20 or into the top 24. But at this point, absolutely not. Yeah, I'll, like I'd maybe take him over a Devonte Freeman, maybe over a maybe over Darius Geis, maybe maybe over David Johnson, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think, and those ones are all probably based on youth and injury yeah, history, like, right? Not even talent weird? and situation. Yeah, no, those are a bunch of heat bags I just yeah, named. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So because like I can't uh, take it. There's like five rookie running backs I take over them without landing spots. Even there's like not even five sweet landing spots out there. But you know. Obviously, the top three, like DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor should go ahead of him right now, even blind. and Yeah. I don't know. Just Edwards Hilaire, like yeah. you mentioned. And even like players like Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, Carrion Johnson, Philip Lindsay, there's no way you should be passing on those guys to draft David Montgomery's no. lack of floor and lack of ceiling. Exactly. Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, oh. all those guys. Give me that. I got a good one, Trav. You can only keep one. Montgomery or the Super Bowl boys. So Montgomery, Damian Williams, Raheem Mostert. Keep only one of them. Keep only one. It's probably Raheem the Dream. I don't even know. I have no answer. Yeah, Raheem. I like him the most. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's Dynasty. Uh, yeah. Really? If it's Dynasty, I might lean to Montgomery just because of, like, capital and yeah, maybe, you know, maybe but... Tariq Cohen. If Tariq Cohen has another really underwhelming year, he could go away in 2021. 
Yeah, I, I could see that, but or yeah. or you know the upside for Montgomery. I think we'll end on this. I'll say my final piece is that you know if he could somehow find his way to some pass catching work, even being split out wide, whatever, he'll excel in that in that aspect of the game. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely some untapped production there, and so I think you know if if we see signs of that through training camp and uh, and through the preseason potentially, then. Definitely could see him shooting up a little bit, but why don't we talk about that? Uh, the guy who took all of that work, Tariq Cohen. Tariq. Tariq. He was PPR's running back twenty-seven. Um, definitely not a player that you could rely on, though. He. I've been talking a lot about guys' weekly performances, and Tariq Cohen only had more than fifteen PPR points three times this season. One of those was that Week Seventeen irrelevant matchup. The first time he had over 15 points wasn't until week 11. So by that time, if you're in a redraft league, you dropped him. And if you're in a dynasty league, you had moved on to other plans as your, you know, running back three or flex position. Yeah, it was a it was a super topsy turvy season. Um, it's pretty uh, pretty impressive actually that with that season he finished as the running back 27. I was kind of surprised at that. Yeah, it shows you how fast running backs drop off in fantasy for the most part. I think, you know, it's really interesting what you said because he played a lot this year. And we have, one thing I want to say is we have to be concerned about two running back sets with Bill Lazor coming in. I mean, he had Lamar Miller and J.J. in Miami did not run two running back sets. He had Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon in Cincinnati did not run two running back sets. Chicago ran a ton of two uh, two running back sets. They didn't run... But yeah, Tariq Cohen saw a career high in playing time this season. He played almost 50% of the snaps uh, in total, and he was over 50% of the snaps in 10 games. So the work skewed even more away from the run game and towards the pass game for Tariq Cohen in 2019. It it may have had something to do with him lining up a lot as a wide receiver early in the season. There was a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position, but Cohen was just one of three running backs in the NFL to have over 100 targets. Actually, I think Leonard, For- maybe four. I think Leonard Fournette had exactly 100. I can't yeah, it's a push. Yeah, <laughs> but a, a real regression in every way this season, though, for Leonard Cano- uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, inefficiency. <laughs> Leonard Cohen, Tariq Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So a real regression in every way this year for Tariq Cohen. I mean, inefficiency just defined a season. It was unreal. He fell below 5.2 yards per target for the first time in his career. And Tariq Alik, he ended up with exactly 500 yards from scrimmage, uh, less than he did in 2009, uh, 2018. Do you hear that, Trev? I, that's back-to-back Petey Pablo on the pod. Nice. Two eppies in a row. Petey Pablo would love it. Raise up. Cohen was maybe the most overvalued player in fantasy drafts in 2019. Did you own any of them? For sure, dude. I owned him in a few leagues, and I was I was definitely thinking top twenty running back, um, and he disappointed. Uh, I think a big piece of that was we just didn't really see the big play machine that we know that he can be. Uh, we know he didn't really get a whole lot of rushing work, and he had those seventy nine receptions. But his longest reception on the season was thirty one yards, which wow. for for kind of a jitterbug type player like him, we would have thought it would be uh, it would be higher than that. And on the year, he only had two receptions over twenty yards. Yeah. Can you believe that for Tariq Cohen? It's, I believe it. When it's we look wild, at those man. explosive numbers, it's like you have Tariq Cohen, you have Allen Robinson. Like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason I thought he was so overvalued, I had no, I had none of Tariq Cohen because he had eight total touchdowns in 2018. And I won't go down the rabbit hole, but there was, there's an amazing touchdown to body weight record that, like, you, there's just these guys who don't weigh more than 190 pounds. They just don't score touchdowns. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a fact. And, 
you know, we saw it this year. He fell to three touchdowns all in the receiving game. In fact, Tariq Cohen had the most rush attempts in the NFL among running backs without scoring a touchdown this year. Hmm. And so if, if Cohen sees the same volume next year, I, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not killing Tariq Cohen is all I'm saying until I see him not used because we should, we should expect a dip in targets and catches from Tariq Cohen, but I do think he's going to make up for that with a bounce back in efficiency. He'll definitely be above five yards per touch in 2020. Do you, my, my question is, do you think Chicago is good in 2020? Not really. No, yeah. I don't really see a whole lot of turnover coming. Yeah. Cause if you think, if you yeah. think they'll be playing from behind, you know, a lot, then you want Tariq Cohen. The majority of his volume, even on the ground came when the bears were trailing in 2019. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, I think, you know, Tariq Cohen could potentially present a value, but mm-hmm. I kind of thought that going into this season that he could, could be a good player deep, deep on a roster and he didn't really show up for that. So, um, yeah, but he's going three or four rounds later. So are you interested? I'm starting to look at him in the ninth or 10th round. Yeah, for sure. Depending on what's there, I, I could see myself doing it. Um, you know, I love move, grabbing satellite backs of that. Range you love the hundred plus targets for yeah. sure. Um, and if he can get that reception volume as well, so hopefully for Tariq Cohen's sake, David Montgomery doesn't eat into that. And so, yeah, I guess I could see myself going there as you get closer to the double digit rounds, but probably not before the ninth. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't expect many weapons to come into the fold over the off season in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I don't. I can't say that about many teams. And I just, I, I, you're not going to find. I, I do think 100 targets is very unrealistic. I think 80 targets is extremely yeah. realistic. So I just, you can't find 80 targets from the running back position in the ninth or tenth round, really. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair for sure. So, um, yeah, reasonable. So let's go to a true number one. Let's transition. Let's go to these pass catchers and let's fly through these guys a little bit quicker here. Yeah, let's what, do that. What are your thoughts on Allen Robinson, a Rob? What are my thoughts? He's dope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Allen Robinson is sick, man. He's not somebody I was targeting coming into the season, but I think that was due mostly to Mitch Trubisky as opposed to being due to Allen Robinson. Uh, he showed out this year, man. Wide receiver eight. We did we did talk about him quite a bit on the top twelve uh, wide receiver episode, so. Uh, definitely if our listeners want a nice deep dive go in on that episode but to look at his season he had 98 receptions on 154 targets so he joined that uh, 150 target club he was top five in the league in targets actually with those 154 he had just under 1150 yards and seven touchdowns so that's a great season in what seemed like a terrible passing offense Um, Allen Robinson really kind of made lemonade out of those lemons you know wait a minute there's a lemon behind that rock. Yeah, Allen Robinson, uh, maybe a couple things we didn't mention on the top 12 episode, or at least I, I don't think I did. He's entering the final year of his contract here in 2020. I think it's really interesting because if you look back a calendar a year ago, there were kind of two polar sides for A-Rob, and you know, he was due a lot of money, and overall he had a very disappointing first season in Chicago when you look back on it with a little bit of injury. But you know, at the same time, the other side of it was the playoff game for Chicago last year was A-Rob's best game. So yeah, heading into the offseason, he was an interesting option in fantasy drafts because he he could have been a player we were expecting to be cut at this point, you know, looking back on it. If he had had a really underwhelming campaign or got injured again, they, they probably would have cut ties, the Bears. But now you better pay this man. He, he played as a true number one. He just dominated. And he is still just 26 years old. He's already played six seasons, but he's still 26 years old. Yeah, dude, I definitely did not expect a top 10 season from him. Um, I, I could have seen the top 15, but like wide receiver eight is fantastic in that offense. You mentioned him being the alpha and the wide receiver one. I mean, the guy had set the seventh most air yards in the league with over 1,700. 
fifth highest share of his team's air yards at 39%. So that is large. Um, it's, you know, there's only a select few guys every season that hit that 40% mark. So 39% is killer. And then he had 27% of the team's targets, which is top five in the NFL. Um, anything above 26 is like elite. And Allen Robinson was that. So much like you said, he showed that he's the alpha in this offense. I don't think that's going to change at all. And he's really probably the only wide receiver or maybe the only pass catcher who I'm actively going to try and target this season. I like what you said there, man. I think 26 is the new 30 for sure. When yeah, it comes to target share. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, I dig actually it. really. I I truly believe that too. I think you said it perfectly. Like anything above twenty six is all of a sudden elite. It's really true. Yeah. But you know, Allen Robinson. You also mentioned he kind of came out of nowhere with this top ten season. It was hard to expect. We've seen that before from him too in his rookie year. It was, it's pretty amazing. Allen Robinson was the only wide receiver in two thousand nineteen this year drafted outside the top twenty four wide receivers in average draft position to go on to score 250 PPR points. He's also the only wide receiver drafted outside the top 24 wide receivers in ADP in the last five years to go on to score 300 PPR points. That was back in that 2015 season. So that won't happen next year. He will be drafted much higher, uh, but it's just really cool to see after all he's went through, you know, the the quarterback play he suffered through and really the coaching at the pro level too, in my opinion. Big time. Because when he's right, he's tight. Yeah, get it right. Get it right. Get it tight. He's, he's a wide receiver one for fantasy, even in a bad situation. That's like all you have to say about him. And, you know, when we, you mentioned the air yards and the target share, that's what you love. You also love that that all transfers to the red zone. Just Tyler Lockett and Michael Thomas had more total red zone targets than Allen Robinson inside the 10. He's third in targets. And, you know, because of Mitch Trubisky's limitations down the field, we need that 10 zone work. And he did all, you know, he caught five, 11 targets in this area of the field. All five went for touchdowns. So, and those, those catches accounted for five of his seven touchdowns. Yeah, man, I like that. I like that. Um, one little concern, actually, that, and I'm not trying to, you know, rain on uh, Allen Robinson's parade is, I think, obviously, you know, the the production was a little bit spotty through the first 11 weeks. He only had back to back 15 point PPR games once. And do you maybe have any concern that as Mitch Trubisky goes, so does Allen Robinson? If you take a look at it from weeks 12 through 16, Allen Robinson was the wide receiver three, which is fantastic. And those actually happen to be four out of Trubisky's five best games on the season as well. Um, So there is obviously, it's his quarterback, so there is some correlation between his play and Trubisky's play. Um, But does that maybe concern you at all? Or do you think that um, that can only get better? Or do you think they are going to bring somebody in that's going to make that better? Um, Do you have any concern about A-Rob or is it wheels up? I mean, I get where you're coming from. Like, I'm definitely, we shouldn't be expecting another 2015 season we shouldn't be projecting for double digit touchdowns for Allen Robinson we shouldn't be projecting for 1200 receiving yards to be honest because of that but you know it's just that he sees that volume every single game he's one of those rare guys who doesn't take a game off when it comes to 20 percent of the targets on his team and I just I have a lot of faith because I I think this new offense they all these coaches they brought in one thing we can say they all specialize with quarterbacks working with quarterbacks getting what they can out of a quarterback so I just I really hope the play action comes back I think that would be huge his yards per uh, reception just goes through the roof from 10 yards per reception to 19.3 on play action his touchdown rate goes up over 400% on play action (laughs) Uh, three of his touchdowns came on 24 play action targets his other four came on 130 non play action targets so you know I just I have a lot of faith in in him at least you know there may be some regression when it comes to what he did overall in his absolute priority and dominance on the offense, we saw Taylor Gabriel hurt. We saw Anthony Miller, what's new, hurt. But, you know, Trey Burton in absence at tight end. But 
I do think that he is so good that he's going to command so much of the volume like he did this year. And I, I just think he can compensate by, by a little bit of uh, better efficiency this year and maybe yeah. better, better usage. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I, I asked you that question with all those concerns and those concerns were actually the ones that I kind of had going into last season, but he actually eased some of those up for me. So I'm kind of with you. I'm not as worried about Trubisky because, you know, there there is room for him to grow in red zone efficiency. And he showed us um, a, a couple times in his career that he can overcome garbage quarterback play and produce well for fantasy. Yeah, he he's just endured awful quarterback play his whole life. Like, do some research; it'll just make you laugh. Like, if you just want to have a good laugh at how bad some quarterbacks are on this planet, have a look at a Rob's whole career. So, Ty, who do you think's better, uh, Bortles or Trubisky? I think Trubisky's a little bit better. Really, I eh? I think we saw Trubisky's floor this year. I, I, you know, it's unfortunate because he played 16 games, so it's kind of ironic that he was <laughs> so much worse than he was last year. But uh, I don't know, I. I don't hate Mitch Trubisky. I think he has a lot of room for growth. We got to remember he was a one-year starter out of college, but at the same time, he's going into his fifth year. And you know, just listen to some of the GM's comments when it comes to uh, like Leonard Floyd. He's going into his fifth-year option. They asked him about it, and they're like, "Yeah, we're picking up his fifth-year option, no problem." Thirteen million dollars. The guy's not very good. He's a yeah. bust, in my opinion, when it comes to you know cost. You know, it's a sunk cost fallacy what they're doing with him picking up his fifth year option. $13 million. So they just picked it up nonchalant. When they were asked about Mitch uh, Trubisky at the year end press conference, which, you know, Mitch Trubisky's future dominated that year end press conference. And it's really interesting listening to Ryan Pace talk about it. But long story short, he basically said it's too early to tell with Mitch Trubisky about about the fifth year option. And that was a really long way for me to just say, yeah, he is going into his fifth year. So I guess, you know, maybe he is what he is and we can't expect much more. You know what that kind of reminds me of, though, when you said, you know, obviously he's a one-year college starter, Tanny, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, but Tannehill was a wide receiver. (laughs) Yeah, not a lot of college college quarterback experience, right? And then he re-broke out again this year. Yeah, totally. You know, and he he fits kind of the similar mold. He really does. He's a low-average depth of target. Yeah, the athleticism. So, you know, that's what I'm saying about systems, too. Systems can make a big big difference. How a running back, you know, how your running game – uh, transforms the the passing game and stuff. That's those are the kind of things we need to see. It's a layered offense with play action motion, all this stuff. We need to see it in Chicago, or else I'm not interested in this offense at all. Uh, so, Trav, you know, we did Allen Robinson's value not too long ago. Uh, I said he's tough to squeeze into my wide receiver one group and redraft. Very comfortable right around wide receiver twelve in dynasty for me. I think you were pretty much in agreement. Yeah, a little lower, maybe a little higher. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe maybe a smidgen lower, but yeah. uh, not by much. Yeah. So now that best balls have rolled out, and remember, guys, will cite ADP from you know, best balls going on because it's really only degenerates, us sickos who want Zach Moss in 17th rounds of 20 different drafts. Yeah, you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying is this ADP is very accurate based on the current market value for all these players for fantasy. Like, it's really accurate. So Allen Robinson is going as the wide receiver 15 right now. So I learned I'm a little high on him. He is below right now the Tampa Bay wide receivers. He's below DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper, OBJ, Keenan Allen, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Brown. Any of those guys stick out to you? Uh, maybe Keenan Allen, maybe AJ Brown, but I think maybe Amari Cooper as well. But I think I think he belongs just behind most of those guys, aside for the, from those three that I mentioned, or, or iffy. You want Allen Robinson or Cortland Sutton? I think in a dynasty, I go Cortland Sutton. In a redraft, it's super close, and I think I go Allen Robinson by a hair. Yeah, I think I'm going Allen Robinson over both. It's close uh, in in both, yeah, just just by a smidge. What about Cooper Cup? 
Okay, so right now I go Allen Robinson. If one of Cooks or Woods leaves Los Angeles, I go Cooper Cup. And what about Stefan Diggs in redraft? Dynasty, I think we'd both go Diggs over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. definitely Diggs. Um, damn, that's a close one, dude. Yeah, I'm going Allen Robinson there still in redraft. I think I might lean Diggs a little by by just a little bit. Yeah, those are some tough decisions we're going to have to make in drafts, though, for sure. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good way to lay it out because I think that can kind of, um, A, if anybody wants our opinion on how we value these guys, it shows them that. And then B, it kind of can show people what tier you're going to be looking at for these guys. Um, just another piece to put in your tool belt when you're when you're planning for your drafts. You kind of are going to know where these guys are, are going to fall or who they're going to go around. So when you see guys starting to fly off the board, you might have to capitalize on the on the back end of a tier. Yeah, and I, I also see some of these ADPs and best ball as trade targets. You know, you, you look at who's being drafted where, and if they surprise you, go out and trade for them mm-hmm, in your dynasty totally. leagues, right? So are you trading for Anthony Miller in dynasty leagues? I am not, no. Um, not a good season. Not a good no, season. no. Marred by injury, though. Marred by injury. He only played 64% of the snaps in 2019. In nine games, he played on less than 60% of the Bears' snaps. And, uh, you know, I... What, what do you think of Anthony Miller? Have you Are you a fan of him coming out or anything? Because we haven't seen a lot of him, really. I actually kind of liked him coming into 2019 after um, that little surge he had in 2018 in his rookie year. Um, he just he just couldn't put it together, man. I, I, I don't mind the player, but he's not somebody that gets me super excited. He's one of those slot guys, and I think there's some slot guys in the league that I would probably rather have than him. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2019, he had that mini blow up towards the end of the season from weeks 11 through 15. He was the wide receiver eight, definitely good numbers down the stretch there. But I mean, if you drafted him, you had in redraft leagues, you had long since dropped him. And in a dynasty league, he was just kind of one of those guys you forget about at the bottom of your bench. So, um, it was, it was a really, really tough season for him. And, and I personally am not getting uh, sucked into the, that week 11 through 15 performance as the wide receiver eight. How about yourself? What do you think? No, I think you freaking nailed it there, man. Because, uh, you know, those two games I was going to mention that are inside of that stretch, and that's a big game. And they're both against division rivals, which you love to see. And that is kind of Anthony Miller in a nutshell. He's a better real-life NFL player than he is a fantasy player, in my opinion. You nailed it with the slot stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, he had a big game against the Lions, big game against the Packers in 2019. Unfortunately, those two games equated to almost 40% of his overall fantasy points, just those two games. And, yeah, we kind of just know who Anthony Miller is. So I'm not a huge fan of him in fantasy right now. And like yourself, I was a pretty big fan of of what he was. I wasn't over-anticipating like some huge breakout season as an older prospect or anything. But coming out of college, he ranked 6th out of 179 qualified college-wide receivers in yards per route run from the slot. And then he was drafted to be paired with Mitch Trubisky, and, you know, who loves the slot and probably, you know, accepts it's his best bet for completion if he's throwing past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> You hit the nail on the head when you said uh, when you <laughs> when you said that uh, he he can be a good real life player, but he's not somebody I'm looking at in fantasy. Um, I think coming off of that uh, stretch run in fantasy, he could be a post hype sleeper going into 2020. All I want to say to that is that buyer beware. So uh, you got to be really careful, careful taking Anthony Miller. As far as roster build, I would not want him on my team as anything higher than a wide receiver four. Uh, but you know, it really depends on the price for him. Um, I could see myself going in, just throwing a dart, but, uh, like I said, buyer beware a little bit on Anthony Miller. Mm -hmm. I was just looking at that stretch from weeks 11 to 15. He was over, you know, he went 11 points, 13 and a half, 23, 27 points in PPR. He had under 10 points in all the other games, but he was over 10 in just those four games. 
Totally, man. And actually, I was looking into similar stuff. Six of those games before week 11, he had 3.1 fantasy points or less. Yeah, the injuries are really a concern, I think, too. Like, I, you know, we don't overweigh him too much, but when you're talking about late wide receivers, why take your shot on a guy who plays out of the slot has very little upside anyways, plus he has injury concerns attached to him. And, you know, he had shoulder surgery this offseason, and sometimes people miss those news items right after the season uh, is eliminated from uh, the playoffs. But yeah, we did get that that news item nugget uh, that he did have shoulder surgery. And when we talk about his fantasy value, it's just that he will be overvalued because like, I'll take a dozen rookie wide receivers at least over Anthony Miller. I'll take Preston Williams, Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're taking in Kill Harry still. Trav, give me D-Jax. Give me, give me Deshaun Jackson over. I like <laughs> it, dude. Yes. Like I, you know, that's what I guess I'm getting at. Give me Hunter Renfro over him, D.D. Westbrook, Colby... Nah, let's not, I won't go too far. Yeah, hey, watch your mouth, bud. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, like what I'm, what I'm, you know, I'm looking for a home run as my wide receiver five in a fantasy. Draft. For sure, for sure. There's just very little upside. And, you know, at that point in drafts, at that spot on your roster, there's definitely a lot of options who give you maybe some more blow-up potential um, than, than Anthony Miller does. It's not Miller time. <laughs> it is not Miller time. Yeah, that is good stuff. What about Taylor Gabriel? What are you thinking about? Taylor Gabriel, not to be confused with Peter Gabriel. Yeah, there's no war without tears here. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, man. Taylor Gabriel, I think we know what he is. He's not going to get a whole bunch of volume. There's going to be some big plays here and there. Um, he could have one of those pop-off games, but you're never going to have him in your starting lineup when that happens. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think he's going to get enough work in Chicago. And if he goes elsewhere, I don't think he's really going to get enough work anywhere. So um, I don't know. Not not really somebody I'm, I'm excited about. How about you? Yeah, I love Taylor Gabriel. Always, <laughs> I always nice. have. Uh, I always thought he's a good wide receiver, to be completely honest. I mean, I honestly think he's a little bit more versatile than people give him credit for, too. But what I wanted to say is that he's a major cut candidate. They uh, they don't have a lot of cap space over in Chicago. He's due to make $6.5 million this season. He's set to make $7.5 million in 2021. It's not a huge number for a wide receiver, but... That contract comes with just $2 million of dead cap, so it really wouldn't be a, a surprise if they cut him. They do have Javon Wims, Riley Ridley. You know, they do have guys behind him that can fill roles. I, I think it would be a mistake. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> good point, yep. He, in, in flashes, I'm telling you, man, some of Trubisky's best career games coincide with Gabriel's big Bears outings. You said, does, you know, Allen Robinson go as Trubisky goes? I'm telling you, Trubisky goes as Taylor Gabriel and a second weapon who can you know, open the field up. I'm telling you, <laughs> Taylor Gabriel has two games over 100 yards receiving in a Bears uniform. They came in back-to-back games in 2018, and, you know, Buddy looked like a mini Tyreek Hill, you know, mm-hmm. the way Nagy was using him. I, I really sure. liked him, and, you know, he had 90 targets in 2018. Money talks, remember that, for free agency, and through injuries this season and just no big games. He actually did have a three touchdown game against Washington, I think, mm-hmm. but you know, he was injured in the next game. I think after that, and he, he missed, <laughs> he just missed some time. So yeah, I really like Taylor Gabriel. I'm just saying, you know, don't sleep on Taylor Gabriel. If he lands in Kansas city, right? For sure. For sure. That's a really good point you made there. When I was, kind of bagging on him earlier I was it was mainly due to fantasy production I do actually like the player in real life he's got a lot of speed and uh, we saw him in a really nice role in Atlanta a few years back that was that was pretty nice Um, so yeah I mean now that you laid that out landing spot dependent he could be a guy that that could be a good value on uh, you know the back end of your bench and as at this point in the offseason he's going to be a complete throw in in any trade you make I guarantee you add Taylor Gabriel and that's not going to be like a deal breaker for somebody so um, I, I could see that being a sneaky little stash man 
Look, Fuzz, I got the buzz. This meat is a giant. Do you think we should put a bow on the Chicago Bears and let the wind take these guys out of here? Let's see what do I, it. See what I did there? Poor execution, but uh, like good it. intent. Put our sails up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> good tune. Good tune. Which uh, one, the Colin James or the original Van Morrison? Mm, both. Both. Mm, I think I like the no, Van Morrison. Only, yeah, there's only one right answer there. I honestly don't like the Colin, Colin James, James version. I don't mind it, though. I love Colin James. He's a spectacular guitar player. Yeah, totally. All right, Travel, what a treat. We look forward to the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll definitely be a little quicker on the Cincinnati Bengals, but you know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon? You, we got a lot of questions to answer. We got Joe's galore. Joe Burrow, Joe yeah. Mixon. Yeah, we're going to have a couple cups of Joe on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah, so we just want to say thanks to our listeners. We really, really appreciate the support. We've been seeing some love on Twitter lately, um, and we really appreciate that. We love all of our followers. Um, if you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, you can find us at True North FFB. You can find me at TCO14. Ty, where are you at? I'm at TNFF Tyrell, and make sure you follow the site at TrueNorthFFB.com. And make sure you subscribe, even if you just, you know, subscribe to the pod, go into your settings, hit delete after one week. You know, it just really helps us out. Really appreciate it. Yeah, good point, man. Good point. That bumps those listens and uh, helps us out in the long run. So any rates and reviews are good too. But yeah, well put, Ty. Well, I do it for a lot of podcasts and I do it because it's the same philosophy you used to buy a CD, you know, and we, when we were trying to rock the mini disc players, you know, that time frame and burning CDs and all that. So I, you know, I used to make a point of buying the CDs of my favorite bands. So Yeah, totally. Got to support. I still do that with podcasts for sure. Right on, man. And one last thing we want to say is don't forget to go check out Expand the Box Score. We just hooked up with these guys. Uh, really good site, really good people, a lot of great information. Um, you can sign up with our promo code TrueNorth10. Uh, and if you have any questions on how to use the site or the platform or anything, feel free to hit us up in our DMs. Or if you have any questions about anything fantasy related, hit us up in the DMs. We don't get enough of that. And um, I, it, I don't know. For me, it's pretty rewarding when people reach out and value our opinion. And I think I can probably say the same for you too, Ty. Um, yeah. So hit us up on Twitter and thanks again for listening. And we will be back next week. Peace.